So I'm going to try to give you a summary of the spiritual battle that a Christian is in externally. There is, um, there's a need for Christians to not fear the darkness, uh, ignore the darkness, um, play with the darkness. There's a need for Christians to know how to take on the darkness. So if you'll take your Bible, go to John chapter 3. We're going to look at four scriptures this morning. verse 19. Three of the scriptures are in the Gospel of John. So it would be pretty straightforward. I would ask that you'd stand with, with me as we read together these three sets of scriptures. I'll give you plenty of time to find them. First you're going to the Gospel of John chapter 3. We will read verse 19 together and then we'll go to John chapter 8 and then to chapter 12. So <clears throat> a little different. We're actually for script, different scriptures instead of a series of scriptures in the same chapter. Okay, once you've got that, looking at your Bible, let's read together just verse 19 of chapter 3. Begin. And this is the condemnation, that light is coming to the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Now go to chapter 8 and verse 12. Gospel of John, chapter 8, and verse 12. <clears throat> Together. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Now, chapter 12, and verse 46. Begin. I am come a light into the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. That's a good truth. Now all the way over to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Anybody see the theme in these scriptures? Okay. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. Give you a moment to find it. All right, together, verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, these are four scriptures this morning that ought to scare you to ever play with something called the darkness. There are, uh, uh, there are too many Christians who toy with demonic things. And they really don't mind uh, uh, watching things that are dark. Um, and uh, they toy with uh, the darkness of this world. I'm here to tell you, the darkness of this world is a real thing. And if you ever play with what I'm going to talk about, if you ever toy with this stuff, you will always come away hurt. You will never just have fun playing with the devil's dominion. There are, there are two kingdoms at war. Now, I got you standing. Let me let you sit down. <laughs> Normally, I go into prayer, but I'm going to pray at the end of this. Sometimes I got to just catch up with myself. It's all right. There are two powerful kingdoms at war. You know, you may not realize it, but they are at war right now amongst us, uh, around us, and then go to, you're in Philippians, go to the next, you're in Ephesians, go to Philippians, then Colossians. Just two books over, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13. Speaking of God, when, it, when, the, when the verse starts with a who, it doesn't always mean a question. It's just telling you who it is that did what he's about to say. Colossians 1 verse 13, who hath delivered us from the power of what? Love that. And hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Now there is the king, there are two kingdoms at war. There is the kingdom of darkness, and there is the kingdom of God's dear son. We call it the kingdom of God. Now you and I are caught in the middle of this most epic of battles. What's funny is the most money-making games on PlayStation, Xbox, and on the internet are battle games. You ever notice that? 
You ever notice how there's just this, this concept of, of warfare, which because there is a sense, and a lot of people don't realize, there's a sense of something going on. And, and there's a desire to want to win in these battles. And that's not a bad thing. But let me tell you, seismic events are happening in our world right now that are unlike anything ever happening in all of history. And there have been some horrific things throughout history. There are unexplained forces that have affected entire generations, but the, the invisible forces today are affecting this generation like I've never imagined. The technology is dark. The internet is dark. There are, I mean, you can't even go to the hospital and walk away with a good drug. The drugs are dark. They're being, they're being exposed as making people dependent upon what was supposed to help them. Entertainment is dark today. Would you agree? And the extreme political battles that you see going on, whether it's in America or whether it's in Chile or whether, I know and to some degree those have always gone on, but not like we've ever seen where there is such a fight by the two sides. <laughs> and it's not all because of George Soros either. Every conspiracy theorist wants to point to this guy or to that organization. Let me tell you, it's not a man that's behind this. You see, it all goes back to creation. Go to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 14. Isaiah chapter 14, George Soros is just a pawn. He is a puppet. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12. You ought to mark these verses because they tell you a little bit about where it all began, where the battle all began. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12. Here God describes an event that happened just after creation. It says, How art thou fallen from heaven? Oh, what's his name? Lucifer. That was the devil's name before he fell. Lucifer means light bearer or brilliant one. Son of the morning. He was a product of beauty and brightness. He was the most beautiful creature that God ever made. How art thou cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? Now here's where the fight began. Now I'll give you a little backstory here. Satan was in charge of music. <laughs> Funny how Satan owns most of music today still. But he's in charge of music in, in uh, heaven. And with all of the worship that went toward the being called God Almighty... He got a little jealous, and he saw everybody's attention ignoring him and his beauty, ignoring his, his abilities, ignoring his contribution to the worship. And it says this, verse uh, 13, For thou hast said in thine heart, I, look at the seven I wills. He says it seven times. He says, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation. I want everybody to look at me in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, and I will be like the Most High. Speaking of the Most High God. Thankfully, verse 14, God fixes that thing. Uh, verse 15, yet thou shalt be brought down to where? To hell. Amen. We know who's going to win. I read the last chapter. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the bottomless pits. Okay. Satan has been fighting God ever since that day. And he doesn't just fight fair. He never fights fair. So if you ever wake up in the morning and you just feel like, man, what went wrong? What, what, what? You know, just say people say they woke up on the wrong side of the bed. Well, it's like you've been kicked out of bed. Just There's just a spirit. There's a, there's a, um, a dampening. There's there's dark. You just wonder, where did that come from? There's a war going on, folks. And you and I are caught in the middle of it. You cannot ignore what's going on. You can't just go on with your life and live like this. Spiritual war does not exist. It's like someone trying in the middle of a battle to say, time for tea, like the, the British used to do. We must stop our fighting and then have a spot of tea. You know, in the middle of a battle, you can't stop and have tea. You can't stop and just just ignore what's really going on, people die. 
And you have to choose sides. And you have to arm yourself or else you and your family, this church, and our nation only become casualties of war. Believe me, I've seen too many casualties in this war. Fact. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 4, sorry. In the New Testament, before you get to Hebrews, as Weston says, go to the T's. 2 Timothy chapter 4. <clears throat> Fact. There is a general turning away from the truth going on right now. And I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about in Christians. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 3. For the time will come when they, believers, will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts, watch that word, shall they heap to themselves teachers, not preachers anymore, not biblical, but teaching whatever is being taught, having what kind of ears? You ever, you ever scratched, start to scratch a dog's ears and the dog just melts? Well, that's what a lot of Christians are like. They, they will watch the YouTube that just scratches their ear. They will change churches until they find the church that really makes them feel appreciated. Verse 4, watch it. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto... Wow! Second fact. Not only is it turning away from truth by Christians, but there is a general turning to Satan by Christians. You say, it's not possible. I need you to go back to 1 Timothy, uh, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5. One book back, chapter 5. I want this to sink in. And 1 Timothy chapter 5 is dealing with, with widows. And the widows are sort of jumping ship. And, and I've seen it too often that when you have a, a problem in your life, that problem determines your, your life instead of Christ determining your life. And watch what it says here in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 13. And withal, they, widows, Christian widows, learn to be, you know, no woman who's got kids has time to be idle, amen? All of a sudden, you lose the mister. And it says they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also, busybodies. Say, That's in that Bible? It sure is. Speaking things which they ought not, verse 14, I will, therefore, that the younger women, talking about widows, remarry, marry again, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to Satan, the adversary, to speak reproachfully. For some are already turned aside after what? We're talking about Christian women. I'm already fed up with Christian men, but it's scary when Christian women aren't interested in doing right, aren't interested in just having a sweet spirit, and aren't interested in being a blessing. They say there's something more fun back out there, and off they go. I personally know of a widowed missionary's wife who lost her husband just like two years ago. They were going to be, they, had, they didn't actually get to the mission field. They struggled real hard to raise enough support. And but they, were a, they were a family on fire for God, two little children, and the husband died of health problems. My wife now is bragging and boasting about not, she's not even, she's living with a man and she's pregnant and she's not concerned about ever getting married. She fell away, folks. That's a missionary's wife. First Timothy chapter 4, you're in chapter 5, go one chapter back. First Timothy chapter 4, now the Spirit, the Holy Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith. Can you believe that? Some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits. You say, Christians aren't influenced by demonic spirits. Read your Bible. They obey, they give heed to, they listen to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Speaking lies in hypocrisy. Having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Now watch these next two things, verse 3. Forbidding to marry. Don't marry, just live with the guy. Uh, we don't need marriage, we just need, what do they call it now? They call it um, uh, 
starts with a C, I can't remember, where people, it's not just cohabiting, it's um, civil relationships, yeah. Making it, forbidding to marry, and even lots of vegans come in. And forbidding that, that, and to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. Folks, the, the attitude now that's against marriage and the ruining of marriage and against meat. And I listen, you don't, I don't care what you eat or you don't eat. Let me tell you this. But when you make it so that people have to feel guilty about having a hamburger or guilty about having a steak or guilty about having a roast because you have to have compassion on the animal and all this stuff, it's not a fad. It's not about the climate. It's of the devil. It's a seducing spirit to get Christians off focus of Christ and onto the climate and onto animals when our focus ought to be on living godly. Christ Jesus gave every believer what they need to conquer and to be more than a conqueror. I need you to go to Romans now, chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, in verse 37. <clears throat> Romans 8, verse 37, the whole chapter is just brilliant. But verse 37 says, Nay, in all of these things we are not just conquerors, we're not just winners, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Who's the him? It's Jesus. Verse 38, For I am persuaded that neither death, that's pretty serious, nor life, that can be tough, nor angels, nor principalities. Principality is a spiritual power. Nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why? Because he has enabled us to press on. Now, you're going to find that most people don't press on because they have been properly trained. They don't go to a good church. They don't read their Bible, they don't pray, and so their weapons are in, the weapons are over on the side, and they never put them on, and they never know how to fight. The only way they know how to fight is physically. They only know how to fight with their words. They only know how to fight with their anger. They don't know how to fight with their yelling. They only know how to fight with rocks. The weapons of our warfare are not of this world. No wonder, no wonder our Western world. Folks, if there is power in that book, and we learned that memory verse this month, by the word of truth, remember our memory verse? By the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left. That's how we fight. And if those, if those weapons are powerful, no wonder there's so much emphasis and so much work that's working to get you to put down your Bible, to doubt it, to think that church is a waste of time because the devil is trying to disarm After today's message, I hope you become keenly aware of the battle going on and that if you just have the right attitude towards it and have a definite plan of attack, we can start winning again. Let's pray. Father, now we can pray because now we know how serious this message is and how, God, we need to listen to every word. And there's no way I can cover all the things. And I'm going to say some things that are going to be incomplete and there's going to be questions, there's going to be confusion. That's how it always is going to be. But may we be hungry for a, a, a win in the fight instead of a loss. Lord, we need to be conquerors again, or more than conquerors, because we are by, by the strength and the power of Jesus Christ, not by our own wisdom, our own strength. So, Lord, please help us, especially in October, when everything seems to go dark. I pray that we take it on and face it and go, I'm ready. I'm ready. Because the darkness is not just damning souls. It is destroying Christian homes. It is destroying Christian minds and hearts. And it's it just grieving to see God. Please give us some victories. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. First point. I got to get you aware of the darkness. Because the truth is, not many people are aware of spiritual things. They're not aware of the kingdom of God. When we say, seek ye first the kingdom of God, somebody will instantly say, well, where is that? 
They, they can't think of anything that's not seen. Because most people, most people are ignorant of spiritual things. They only believe what they can see, touch, hold, buy, and sell. Go to 1 Corinthians. You're in Romans. Go to the right. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. We have some scriptures to look at this morning, so stay with me. 1 Corinthians 2, 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are what to him? They are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. They're like your mother. My mom had eyes on the back of her head and in every room and outside the trees. <laughs> My mom had a spiritual sense about what was going on, and she said, and I knew that, that she knew that I needed to be called in when she'd go, Craig Allen, I just feel like I needed to check on you, amen. Moms have that sense, but there's another sense that Christians have to have, and that's a spiritual sense. And most people don't. That's why most Christians don't even take sin seriously in their life. They don't sense that they have grieved the Holy Spirit. They don't sense that they have gone against God Almighty. And so for many people, church is only a tradition, a waste of time, and an inconvenience, because they, they, they want, well, what do I get out of church? This is not the late, late show. We do not have a gift for everyone in the audience. We come to sit at Jesus' feet to learn truth and then obey it. Now, Jesus said some very important things. Two scriptures, Mark chapter 4. Mark, well, you're in 1 Corinthians. Let me get you over to 2 Corinthians 4, and then we'll go back to Mark 4 because it's easier. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. <clears throat> we'll go to what Jesus said right after we hear what Paul says. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3. These two verses here, verse 3 and 4. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So there are some things that just aren't plain. They're hidden, and people's eyes are blinded, and they don't care. Now go back to Mark. Mark, the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 4. Listen to what Jesus says. Mark 4 and verse 11. Mark 4, 11, and, he's, and Jesus is speaking, and he said unto them, unto you, unto you disciples, is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them which are without, those who are out there, only for the free food, all these things are done in parables. Why? Verse 12. Why did Jesus teach and then leave them hanging? Why didn't he just explain everything so plain and simple? Verse 12. That seeing... They may see and yet not perceive, not understand. And hearing, they may hear, but not understand. Lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. Wow, Jesus says, until you're aware of the truth, Jesus is not going to spoon feed you. He's not just going to pry open your eyes. He wants you to go, there's something more than me. There's something more than what I can see, and I want to know it. That's why Jesus said, you guys want to know the answer, and I will give it to you. Let me ask you, sitting here this morning, are you one of those who just don't get it? You don't perceive, you don't sense, you don't have an understanding of anything other than what you can see with your eyes, what you can sit in, where you can go, where you can smell. If there's not another sense then you're lost, and you need to be born again. Let me tell you, this if this is all you're going to hold on to and all you're going to believe in, like Richard Dawkins and like um, uh, 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 Charlie Darwin and all these guys who says there's no God, the only thing that's here is what's here. If that's what you want to believe, you're going to have a rude awakening one day. But if you want to know that there is a kingdom beyond this world and it's pure joy, and it's eternal, 
and it's worth it. You can cry out to God and say, God, save me, please. Open my eyes like a blind man. How many blind people did Jesus heal? Loads of them. You know why? Because we're spiritually blind. He wanted to show I can open eyes, but they've got to want it. How many times did Jesus go to somebody and they would say, have mercy on me? And he says, what do you want? And the blind would say, that we may see. Jesus says, you've got to want this. Now, a Christian is supposed to be known as a spiritual person. You know, you know what most Christians want to be known as? A happy person, a successful person, a prosperous person. That's Joel Osteen. That's not the Bible. John 4, 24 says, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. I don't care if you don't have, if you're, the clothes you wear are the same ones you've worn for the last 24 years. I don't care if you have to walk to church because you can't afford a car. I don't care if you can't put food on the table. You can worship God spiritually, and it pleases the Father. Whether anybody else is ever impressed with you, if anybody ever gives you a second look, does not matter. If you worship God with your spirit, He is pleased. We're supposed to be known as spiritual people. The greatest Christians that I've ever read about lived in caves, were hunted, were sawn asunder, were persecuted, were rejected, were moved from country to country, were put onto ships and, and sent away, never to allow to be come back. The greatest people, the greatest Christians I've ever known had, didn't have two pennies to rub together. And they were the greatest Christians of all time. Let me tell you, don't you worry about being a success. Don't you worry about your career. Don't you worry about having all of your ducks in a row. You worry about whether you're a spiritual man or you're an ungodly man. That's what you need to worry about. Folks, there still is right and wrong in there. There's still some things that are clearly, I have to do right. I don't care whether it's hard. I have to do right. And I got to be spiritually right with God. That's my first duty every day. Amen. We need a generation of people who are aware of the spiritual darkness and who want to defeat it. There are too many Christians who are playing with fire. You know what it means to be aware of the reality of the darkness? You need to be aware that there is a, there is a epidemic of self-harm in this generation. There's a, there are people who are 12 years old who are trying to hurt themselves. There are people who are 50 years old who are trying to kill themselves. Drug addiction has no end in sight. So you know what the governments are trying to do? Trying to normalize it. Let's just keep normalizing. Let's keep giving them more needles. Let's keep having places. Let's keep decriminalizing. You know what they're doing? They're giving up. Drugs is winning. Anger is a way of life in most people's homes. I have never seen such pride. I, Westerners are proud by nature, but we have never been so proud as we are today. There is division in homes and in society like I've never imagined. The LGBTQRST group is smashing every moral and every good thing. Satanic worship is on the rise. Druids, paganism, the determined... You know what's happening with, uh, with Halloween right now? There seems to be... Now, I'm making a guess. Maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. There is a determined effort to replace Christmas with Halloween. And if we're not careful, if we don't fight back, and I mean fight spiritually, if we don't fight back and shine and affect our world and win our world, Christmas, Halloween... The money that's going to be made in Halloween, the activities, the lights, the parties, is just going to go through the roof. That's where the world's headed. And many Christians are content with that. There are some signs of spiritual attacks that you need to evaluate in your life. I'm talking about you. Don't worry about anybody else. Think about these signs and wonder, so that's what that was. One of the most common ways to know you're under a spiritual attack is when you have unnatural fear, when you panic at things you used to be able to handle, when you constantly worry about so many things and you never know how to just say, I give them to you, Lord. You know, that is a prayer. <laughs> Casting all your care, all your care 
on him, for he careth for you. You know, there are, there are a lot of Christians who are afraid of satanic attacks. Let me tell you, don't be afraid of them. You imagine, now some of the guys in here know what rugby is. Can you imagine a guy? And he's, he's, he's training for a, for a rugby match. And so the, so the, uh, the coach says to Sean, and says, Sean, you're up. And so he goes out there and he gets on that scrum line and he looks at that other guy who's looking at him, bangs and blood coming out of And he goes, what did you expect? The goal is to be prepared so that when you do face off with the enemy, you're not afraid of them. And you go head to head with them. And we have too many Christians who are afraid of the devil. Now, there is a time to be afraid of him when you're not ready. But boy, when you've got that book in your heart, and when you've got that determination in your soul that you're going to live right, and you're going to have the armor of righteousness on the right and on the left, and you're going to stand your ground, and you're going to preach the word, and you're going to quote the scripture, and you're going to trust God, and the devil comes at you, you go, hmm. Amen. First Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy 1.7. Go there, go there. 2 Timothy 1.7. Unnatural fear is a sign that you're under spiritual attack and maybe in spiritual bondage. 2 Timothy 1.7 says this. For God had not given us the spirit of, but of power and of love. What's that last part? That's the best part, amen. <laughs> and a sound mind. Amen. Folks, and this is not to shame anybody for having bouts with fear. We all do. And the devil knows how to terrify you. He doesn't come through the front door. Amen? You hear somebody up on the roof, you're going to panic, man. You're going to, what's going on? Second thing, feelings of worthlessness. You know, where, the, where does a thought come from where it says you're unworthy to be saved? Where does a thought come from that constantly questions your salvation? I don't know if I got saved right. I don't know if I prayed right. I, I don't know if I'm, 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 I'm good enough. Where does that come from? You know what Satan delights in? He delights in getting Christians to constantly ask themselves, who do you think you are? When the devil tries to convince you that you can't witness somebody else because your life's a mess, he's a liar. Because you're not the reason anybody gets saved. Christ is the reason. If you have to have your life all good and perfect and proper and prim and haircut and nails polished and toes perfect and, and posture right, before you go and give somebody the gospel, the world will go to hell. Feeling of worthlessness. Do you realize that an unsaved person's soul is worth more than all the wealth of the world? You cannot say that you're worthless. It's not possible. Even unsaved, you are priceless. Feelings of condemnation and constant guilt. You know how many people hate themselves? They're never, <clears throat> they're never able to trust that Christ loves them and has removed their sins as far away as from the east as from the west. You know how far that is? Infinite. You've never been able, it, when, when you've got this thing saying, and all your, maybe some big sins, some past sins, some things keep coming up into your heart, whatever. When all that stuff keeps coming up, you've got to remember who's bringing it up. That's a demonic attack. Somebody says, oh, let me, go to Ephesians. You're, you're in uh, Timothy, go to the left, find Ephesians chapter 1, in verse 6. <clears throat> Oh. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 6. This is a keeper. To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us, what's the next word? Accepted in the beloved. The beloved, God said to His Son, He said, this is my beloved son. And he says, and you come on up here too. <laughs> he said that to us. We've been made accepted in the beloved 
family of God. God, Christ did not save you and forgive you for you to live under constant guilt. Amen? Now, if that guilt's in there, you may have to deal with it. You may have to deal with something you're struggling with, or there may be stuff that keeps popping up, but you deal with it by the word of truth. Amen? How about prayerlessness? Now I'm going to hit you where you see, well, I don't, I don't feel worthless. I kind of feel kind of special. And, and, and I don't have any fears. Yeah, but how's your prayer life? You know you're under spiritual attack when there goes weeks without prayer. It's called diverted attention. The devil is attacking by getting you so busy, so distracted, so worried about so many things you forget to pray. That's demonic attack. If you don't make time to walk with God, who's behind that? You know what the only thing that Satan really fears? Is when you pray in Jesus' name. When you plead the blood of Christ, and you claim the power that's in that blood, the devil can't win. So when you're under spiritual attack, praying is the last thing you feel like doing. You ever notice that? I mean, you get fired from the job. What's the first thing you want to do? Jump off a cliff. You just you don't want to go, I'm going to go pray. But if you realize that that disaster comes at you, for whatever reason, and you just walk away and say, I, don't, I can't pray. The devil won, didn't he? Prayerlessness. We only make progress in our spiritual life when we're moving forward on our knees. And I guarantee it's hard. To, when, 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 when the battle's raging, you just don't want to pray because you're like, I don't have any energy to pray. But that's where the power of God is. How about this? When you are so full of the world and not of the word. It's called being carnal. The very time that you feel that you least want to read the Bible is the exact time you need to read the Bible. Because when the devil makes you where you're like, I don't want to read my Bible. The devil's over there going, he's manipulating and managing your environment and your circumstance so that you don't get the, uh, the empowerment, get the strength, get the truth to turn to him and say, go back to hell. When you're so full of the world and you'd rather be laughing, watching something on television instead of being in church and crying because of sin, the devil's been attacking. Constant family conflict. That's a demonic attack, folks. The one thing the devil's been trying to do is divide the man from the woman, from the Garden of Eden. He caught Eve without the husband around, and he says, I want to be like God. <laughs> and when he got her to fall, he says, now go get your husband. And then the next day, next time after they're kicked out of the garden, first kid, Satan's con uh, um, Eve's convinced, this is the Messiah, calls and, and coddles and spoils Cain and creates a murderer. The devil's been at the family from day one. And, fa and family conflict is Satan's way of attacking where it hurts most, isn't it? So when there's, when there's conflict in the home, especially constant conflict, it's an attack of Satan. And we shouldn't, we shouldn't throw up the white flag and give in. Lastly, rebellion. When there are people in this room who mock what I say in their hearts. When they hear the word of God and they go, yeah. When they don't worry about keeping themselves pure and doing the right thing, then you're under spiritual attack. You are, when your heart is rejecting, fighting and arguing with what I'm saying, it's a spiritual attack. You're only a puppet. You think, you're not going to tell me what to do. No, he will. I'll point the wrong, right direction. <laughs> he will. You're either a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ or you're the servant of the devil. You are not a free person. Now, we need a right attitude toward the darkness. Colossians chapter 1. You're in Ephesians. Go to the right. Find Colossians chapter 1. 
We were delivered from darkness, folks. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 12. We looked at a part of this already at the beginning, but let's look at the whole context. Giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet, fitting, to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. You're already a saint if you're saved. Who have delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, in whom we have redemption. In Jesus we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sin. We have been delivered, saved, out of the grip of darkness. Secondly, we have been called out of darkness. First Peter. First Peter, go to the right. After Hebrews, First Peter, chapter 2, verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, speaking of Christians, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you where? out of darkness into His marvelous light. Isaiah 5.20 says, talking about our day-to-day, woe unto them that call evil good, and good evil, that put darkness in the place of light, and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. God predicted where we would be right now. So, you need... The attitude that we have to have about darkness is we have to abhor it. We have to reject it. Don't make light of it. Don't laugh at it. Don't ignore its power. Romans 12 now. Back to the left. Romans chapter 12 and verse 9. These are Bible words. It's funny how the new versions all water down these words. I'm not even going to give you the new version's words. You better stick with your King James Bible. Romans 12, 9 says, Let love be without dissimulation, which means let love be without particularness, saying I love this person, but I don't love her. <laughs> let love be without dissimulation. What's the next word? Say it with me loud. Abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. Don't play with demonic darkness. Don't make light of sin. Don't make light of evil. Don't make light of dark things. I did. That was before I got saved, and it took me a little while before I realized just how much of a grip my music had on me, even in my Christian life. I loved music. I don't know why, but sometime around 9 or 10 years old, I started to collect records and, uh, and music, and they weren't good. I didn't collect hymns. And I collected music that just helped me to escape, and long, long before anybody in this room can, can figure out what I'm referring to, long before maybe anybody else could relate to this, but at, a, at, the age, <clears throat> at the age of about 12 or 13, I would put on the headphones and I would play it as loud as I could until the headphones couldn't handle the music loud enough I could hear them scratching. So. We had a speaker system that were six feet tall. They were 200 watt speakers. And this speaker was on this side, it was about a foot and a half wide, six feet tall. It was only about an inch thick. And I put it on that side, and I put the other speaker on this side, and I set the chair in there, I closed my eyes and crank up the music. I didn't think it would do anything bad to me. But this twitch is all that's left. Right now, there are Christians who are toying with pornography. There are people who tolerate alcohol in their life. There are people who still go down and they buy a lotto ticket and they play with gambling. They don't care what they watch on television or what they watch on Hulu and everything else. They don't care what they laugh at. You better have the right attitude about dark things, folks. It ought to upset you and anger you at how much you love this world. You and I need to reject darkness. We need to even be able and be quick to rebuke it when it's in our home and when it's in our society. 
You know, Christians used to have a voice. We've gone very quiet lately, haven't we? Now, I'm very proud of the pro-life voice. But there's more for us to speak about. Reject the darkness and beware of apathy about the spiritual war. You be very aware of just how lazy you may be about sin in your life. Do you know what people do? They actually, I'm going to get here. Mm. I'm going to stop here. And we're going to have to, next week, I want to teach you how to defeat the darkness. I cannot do this in time. But let me just stop with this thought. Go to uh, Ephesians, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, to the right. I won't have the time to do this justice, so I'm going to just show you this. Listen to these words, and we'll deal with them more next week, but there's a key verse in here. I want to read, starting in um, 25, Ephesians 4, 25. Wherefore, putting away, what's the first thing? Lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. The first thing you need to know that will get the devil back into your life is the comfortableness with lying. If you don't have a problem with lying about anything, I don't care if it's a stupid white lie, if you are comfortable with lying, look at the next verse. He goes on, he says, Be ye angry and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. You better get your anger that pops out naturally, get under control by the end of the day, every time. Anger. Verse 27 tells you, neither give place to who? Lying opens the door to the devil to have a grip on your life. Anger is a door the devil uses to get a hold of your life. Verse 28, let him that stole steal. No, if you have no problem stealing, whether from your boss or from your parents or from, uh, I don't know, people are just comfortable with taking. But rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your what? When you are comfortable with giving out to somebody and it's corrupt communication, it's destructive communication, what are you doing? You're opening the door and the devil walks in and says, thank you. Instead, it says, that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace. Your words may minister grace unto the hearers. Verse 30, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. When was the last time you could sense that I have grieved the Spirit of God? Wow. Because when I'm grieving Him, I'm making the devil happy. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, clamor is yelling, and evil speaking be put away from you. Reject it with all evil thinking, that's malice, and instead be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. In every page of your Bible, there is some description of the spiritual war going on and how you are to react to it. So if we're going to win and defeat the darkness, we have to have a battle plan, and I don't have time to deliver it this morning. We'll have to do it next week. But I want you to want it. I want you to be aware of, you know, what I'm doing right now is I'm actually, by the things going, that I allow in my life, that I'm lazy about, that I'm not concerned about, is me leaving the door open, me leaving the windows open. And when you do that, night creatures come in. Father, I ask you to, right now, take what we're listening to and wake us up. And to be aware, this week, may we have our eyes open to the fact that there is a spiritual war going on. And you are the winner. We don't worry about who the winner is, but we need to worry about which side we seem to be leaning on. And just as we saw the battle between our old man and the new man, we have to be following the Lord Jesus Christ in our life and in our daily walk. 
Because the devil is a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And I hate the fact I have seen Christian after Christian after Christian thinking that they were immune to spiritual attack, thinking that they were doing right, and all the while they were being devoured. And that's not supposed to happen. Instead of me worrying about anybody else, I've got to worry about me too. Because we're none of us that are immune. We're none of us that are above spiritual attack. So we need to be ready. We need to have a battle plan. But of all things in this room, people need to be born again. I wish that I could open up the eyes of people and let them realize they're not, they're not in between two battles. They're on the wrong side. They have, they have already lost. They're already damned. They're already going to hell. They don't have to sin. They're already a sinner. And unless they get born again, unless they cry out from their heart to be saved from the wrath to come, they will wake up one day in a devil's hell, and for all eternity they'll wonder, why did they have to be so proud? Why did they have to resist so long? Why did they think they were so right? When right now, at this moment, they could choose Jesus Christ. Choose to believe only on Him. Choose to repent of their sinfulness, their brokenness, just how failed they are, and look to Christ. And let Him heal everything that's wrong between them and you, God. So I pray for this morning, as we go into the dark months of this year, we would say, you know, Lord, I want to be a winner this time. Too many times I've let my own heart take me down a path that is wrong when I was being led of the devil. I want to follow you, and I want to win the fights. I want to see people won to Christ. I want to see the gospel preached, but i got to have a plan. So give me that plan, and I will follow it. And if there's somebody who's not born again, they don't understand what it means to be saved. They don't know what it means to be a child of God, they, 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 they're thinking they've got to do something. They think they've got to pray something. They've got to give something. Pray they talk to me. They take the time to say, please show me out of the Bible. What must I do to be saved? Because there's only one thing to do, and that's to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart. Cry out to him and receive the free gift. He'd like to save you today, but he'd like you to want to be saved. So bless what we've heard. In Jesus' name, amen.